Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. You are listening to the Redraft Podcast with me, your co-host, Romina Ramos, and I'm joined, as always, by my beautiful, interesting, exciting friend, Will Stevenson. How are you, Will? I'm all right. My favourite was interesting that time. Yeah, I find you interesting. I think you're that interesting. You know lots about random things, like, so I think that's interesting. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a compliment. Yeah, it is. It is a compliment. 100% a compliment, yeah. Um, how are you doing? How's your week been? Yeah, it's been all right. It's been um, end of term, winding down slash incredibly busy, um, preparing for next year. Busy stuff, you know. Um, feel like we've not got a chance to breathe. But got a haircut today. That was exciting. Nice. Uh, and went and did um, Pride for Lee yesterday. Which yes. Was, which was lovely with the poetry um, gang. And more specifically with the lovely lot from Mike at the Mill. So shout out to them. Yes. Uh, it was really nice. Yeah, Mike at the Mill are exciting. They do lots of exciting things. Uh, Lee Pride. Who knew Lee had a Pride? That's, that's lovely, isn't it? It's lovely it that big, all these. You know? Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. I, like when Bolton Pride kicked off, I was so excited because it's lovely to see that these little towns and the councils, which quite often are conservative, uh, are, op- are open to these uh, sort of things. So yeah, big up Lee and big up Bolton. Amazing. Um, yeah, I haven't been up to much myself this week. I've just been busy. Work's been extra busy this week. Um, yesterday was insane. Iron Man has been in Bolton this weekend, so that's been, oh, yeah. that's been very, very busy for the town. Um, which is good, you know. Independent businesses want your business, so we like to be busy, and that's all good stuff. Creativity-wise, though, I haven't been up to much, unfortunately. But we move, we move. I've been writing a little yeah. bit here and there, which is always good. Um, so yeah, that's been, that's been our week so far. <laughs> I uh, I think it's right about time that we plug the the live pod. Yes, coming at the start absolutely. of the show. We've been oh, it... I tell a lie. I sorry. I tell a lie. I need to I need to correct myself here. We had Natter this week, didn't we? So that was one, oh days. one good thing. You know what? Natter is always like a light at the end of the tunnel when it's dead busy or you're having a, a particularly you know testing time. Natter mm. comes in and brings all these lovely people together. And we overran this time for the first time ever. We finished after half nine p.m. <gasps> we never have done that before, so but late. still, it was it was amazing. It was a really good night. Um, and that is where we announced the live podcast and the and the next CIC workshop. And that was all really fun. Uh, and we'll tell you about that now. So why don't you tell people what we're doing? Please come on down. Um, so. August the 3rd, The King's Arms in Salford. Myself performing new poetry. Romina performing new poetry. Adam Evans with The Crisp Review. Free crisps. Come on. What more do you want? Comedy, poetry and a lovely uh, conversation to, to cap it off as well. And uh, yeah, it's going to be good fun. £4. What more could you want? Wait. Uh, it's literally cheaper than the pint that you will buy there. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, it, like, we should say it's cheap as crisps. Rather than yeah, chips. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah Cheaper than chips, that's the yeah, main thing. Absolutely. <laughs> it's going to be a cracking night. I'm writing some new poems for it. Um, yeah, yeah. Come and join us at the King's Arms. It's a fantastic venue and we're, we're going to put on a great show for you. Yeah, so just a couple of days before that, we've got the next uh, CIC The Doors Open workshop with the main man himself, Will Stevenson, and he's going to do a workshop for us all about 
confidence, building up your confidence, being comfortable with who you are when you get up on a stage. May that be a performance stage, may that, may that be life stage, job interviews, mm. things like this, university interviews, all sorts of useful things. Um, and again, that's free, so you cannot get any cheaper than that. Completely free. That is July the 29th. Come on down. It's a Saturday and uh, it's going to be good fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Running our, our first um sort of lively workshop our first one was very serene and calm and uh it was uh, beautiful and uh, this time an opportunity for us all to get up and uh, flex our, our muscles when it comes to confidence and showing off who we are which i'm really excited about yes absolutely and that is a different venue this time it's at the bolton library the central main library library on Le Mans Crescent downstairs in the theatre hall and that's going to be from three till five I believe so yeah go to the right. go to and the... we welcome anyone you don't have to be Bolton based oh no 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 all are welcome so get to our bios get your free tickets please. and come and join us please 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 without further ado Rose you want to introduce today's guest Yes, so today we are joined by, and I hope not to butcher this name, but we're joined by the fantastic Eloise Almery, aka Lulu. Uh, Lulu is a podcaster with Poetry to Your Ears, which are doing lots of exciting things. They've covered loads of literature festivals across the summer um, and interviewed some really fantastic, exciting people. Um, she's also a self-published poet with a collection Pink Goo. Um, and we're going to have lots of lovely chat about language, linguistics, uh, writing, podcasting, all the good stuff. So buckle in and we'll see you on the other side. the podcast we always go right to the beginning and uh tell us a little bit about where you grew up and what that was like for you yeah I grew up uh between the countryside of France and Burgundy and Paris so I did my until I was 10 years old I lived in the countryside uh on the in a house uh in a road where there were just old people so <laughs> so I didn't have many friends to to hang out with uh, a lot of time like alone with my sisters a bit uh, in the garden and then when I was 10 I moved to the big city I moved to Paris uh, so that was a big change and I spent all my teenagers there and then I've been uh, yeah moving a little bit countries Canada England France and, and yeah. <laughs> how, how old were you when you moved to England? Uh, I moved in 2019 so I was I was 19 um, for like a couple of months to live with Tom and uh, then we did move back to Paris and since 2021 I've been full-time oh wow so not 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 as not as long as I imagined um, amazing so there was did you did you find a big, a big culture shock um, living in the UK full-time compared to Paris um not too much like I don't think it's that different uh being from Paris to Brighton 
um it's mostly like brighton has its own kind of subculture which i like but i think is from brighton itself um i find england to be a little bit more open-minded than where i grew up because i was in quite a conservative like pocket of paris and i think paris in general is a little bit more conservative than england other than that like the language other than yeah (laughs) (laughs) did you go bilingual no i grew up like french french (laughs) yeah french french um my family is quite anglophile so like we enjoy speaking english to each other just for the Mm. fun uh but very much like french native learned french in school and um I was okay. I was like pretty good, but not at all like native. So I just picked that up. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about Fran- uh, school in France. Then, like, what what literature did you were you taught in high school and poetry? Did you get to did you what they did they teach you poetry? Poetry in school to me is a little bit of a different thing in my brain than my own creative practice. Like I don't draw from this knowledge at all. Yeah. When it comes to my own writing, yeah. So tell us about how you how you became how you started writing then how did, how did that come about for you notebooks uh journaling just like being an angry teenager <laughs> and having a lot of things to put on the page and uh like having a a needed like a, a free space to express myself where I knew I wouldn't be judged um but I didn't share these poems very much and then I started writing love poems in English and I quite enjoyed uh, writing in English and yeah I explored more of that. So you started writing in French first well that makes sense obviously for me it's, it's the opposite I, I I only ever wrote in Portuguese once I translated my own poem but yeah that's yeah that's... well you, you moved to England really when you were kids so... yeah 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 I'm interested yeah. in what it feels like because I'm very boring i speak one language and i have <laughs> never lived in any anywhere else for a prolonged period of time what does it feel like to try and manipulate the language in your head into words of a different language does it feel like this poem should be in english this poem should be in french because of the sort of boundaries of the language itself i think it depends on what my thoughts are so i've got some thoughts on and memories in mm-hmm. one language uh and some in others i mean others the other (laughs) um so yeah i feel like it comes naturally in one language or the other and then i have to do a little bit of translation like i'm a little bit limited by the language and i do a duolingo like how do you say this in english (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i think it comes from where the memory is uh what language it is in Mm. Wow, that that's so sense. powerful. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, like all my childhood poetry, like if I think about my childhood, it comes to me in French, mm. um, always. And then I can translate these thoughts. But if it's like yesterday, it's going to be in English. It's going so. to be in English, yeah. What about yeah. if you hop over now to France to go see family or for a holiday? Does does the voice in your head suddenly become French? Um, after a bit, yeah, it does after a yeah. couple of days. Uh, but when I realize that when I journal when I'm in France, like I still have, I'm like switched to bilingual writing, mm. <laughs> just mix up, yeah. <laughs> I'm just so fascinated by it. It blows my mind as like a, it, it's like an alien skill to me. I think it's amazing. 
you touched earlier on living in Canada as well briefly did you mm. live, where, was it a, like a French Canadian area or whereabouts were you yeah what, what, what was that time in your life like I lived in Montreal for a year mm. um the first two of my studies yeah and it was it was bilingual and that was the most interesting to me linguistic wise mm. uh because I was very much a francophone then and uh it was my way of dipping into the English speaking world but while having that French speaking uh like route but also the French the Canadian French is so different from the French from France it was like also a different language so it was kind of dipping into two different ways of speaking and Mm. a lot of people speak both at the same time like bilingual speaking it's just like switching the same sentence and that and I found that so cool uh (laughs) I was very much envying and now I do a bit the same with like my my French friends who live in England (laughs) (laughs) I I I, it's really interesting because I my mine and my mom's conversations and not always but sometimes a lot of the time and especially my younger brothers and my mom's conversations are very much like a a mixture of English and Portuguese words mixed together um but for me it's the opposite way like I will think in English first enough to translate it it's just I've been here so long it's like ingrained into yeah yeah I was wondering that do you have still some thoughts in Portuguese or no, yeah, it's it's no, I do, I do, but only as of recent because I work all my life. Uh, I since I've moved here, like at some point it changed, and it's always been then I dream in English and I think in English. But recently, because I've where I work, I work with only Portuguese people. Uh, I work in a Portuguese cafe, as you guys know, and I manage it, and all my staff are Portuguese. My boss is. Portuguese mm. so I speak a lot more Portuguese than I have done for years and years and years like mm. on a daily basis um, and and things like I noticed the other day when I was cashing up at the end of the day I was counting in Portuguese wow. and I can't think of a time where I haven't been like two four six eight it, it was actually in Portuguese and I was like whoa I didn't it was like a nice moment because I, I had the realization but yeah I've recently I've been thinking more and in, in Portuguese that's really cool. You created that little pocket to have this Portuguese life in, in Bolton. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm very grateful for that because I felt for a long time I felt disconnected because of things like dreaming and thinking that such personal things and they just mm. they became another language without my even knowing. It was just like I can't remember. I can't pinpoint and say when it happened. And then someone asked me for the first time, like, do you think or in, in Portuguese or English? And I was like, oh, my God, it's in English. Mm. and I don't know when it happened it was just like yeah it is is in English so yeah it's nice Mm. I feel like losing your native tongue is very much a thing and it's really scary um because it just goes without you noticing it and then at some point you're like oh all these words are gone from my brain (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah I've always been really sad that my young little brother like is is really lose is he's lost a lot of it like a big percentage of it he can understand a lot that is said to him but he can't express himself him and my mum's conversations are she will say a sentence to him in English in Portuguese and he will will reply in English and they go like this she talks to him in Portuguese and he understands it but he can't 
express himself fully in in Portuguese. I've always thought, but but that was until again he worked in the cafe with us for a while, and he, he a lot he, a lot of it came back. So he can speak more than he could now, but it's still you will never be be fluent. I, I wouldn't say, unfortunately, and it's sad. It's mm. it's just again from an educational sort of point of view. It's it's using that muscle. It's it's things that are in your long term memory, which is like the the numbers the ones 10 2 4 6 8 that that's always going to be there because you've used it so much throughout primary school etc but when you're looking at like your low frequency words if you need the specific word for like americano that's probably not right there but once you yeah. re-emerge yourself in it, it it is there it's in the long-term memory you just need to to drag it out through practice and it's it's fascinating that i i think canada is a good example of this and little portugal in bolton both the same of like these mixed um environments where both both are being spoken are, are, are incredible and I, I love the development of language like that but even accents the fact that american italian is a thing is insane when you think about it right because these people had so many generations removed from like actually having any italian ancestry but still speak with like that thick tongue <laughs> yeah. and I, I just think it's amazing it's so fascinating to me possibly because i've got such a boring background i'm just amazed by everybody else language is fascinating isn't it like it's absolutely I, it's so so rich and diverse and it also shows so much of history and culture like the evolution mm. of it through language and just all the power relations in it it's it's like endless <laughs> yeah yeah do you know how, do you know why the French in Canada is so different to the French in France? Do you know do you know why? Just because uh it's been colonized so long ago like in in 16th century or so. So it evolved in its in its own way in a yeah. way like it's so funny cuz so much of the vocabulary is all French from like uh from history like I, I'm not sure if it's the 16th century but you know <laughs> A long you can, time ago. You can like dot back, that. Yeah. <laughs> you can <laughs> you can correct me uh, in the edit. Um so yeah, like a lot of words that we don't use anymore in French, uh from France, like they still use, which is really funny. Like they use calis like as an insult, which means uh like a little cup from church. And oh yeah. Like it's just used in <laughs> like spread out in, in Canadian French and I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> we don't use that at all except in church you know and so it's got that like really old french and also so many anglicisms from from the us because it's mm. got that contact so it's like both extremes which are really really interesting and um it, quebec has a big effort in keeping french like keeping quebec french and not having to anglicized but i think naturally they're more they still have a lot of anglicisms and uh they criticize France for having anglicisms. They're just different. Like yeah. we do, we do some that are more like business English, um, like management, like all these kind of words. But they have really funny ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the anglicism thing's really interesting. There was a a news article this week about I'm trying to find the exact thing, but there was a Dutch yeah minister who in the Netherlands has insisted that. It is something like a three quarter. Yeah, it's three quarters of the course has to be taught in Dutch, regardless of what the course is for all universities. It's a new law that they've passed to prevent mm -hmm. the further sort of anglicization of 
their economy because what that leads to isn't it is more um people immigrating and then obviously the dutch skilled sector being shrunk so it's it's fascinating that way hmm. i think the netherlands is a bit like of a unique context as well like they're very anglicized um mm, already because it's such a small country yeah like they already promote a lot of english uh people speak english really well compared mm. to countries like france and italy and spain that very much have their own economy right yeah it's definitely out of europe the place that i've found easiest to get along with because i'm again an ignorant english tourist and i've learned a handful of words and that's it but in both Amsterdam and Eindhoven you have no barrier with with anyone really it, it like you say it is it's like a dual a dual um what were looking for dual language yeah thank you from birth really so interesting they're trying to preserve that in the same way that Quebec is uh, slightly off topic but kind of on the same one it's like I work with Portuguese speaking people but some of them are from are Brazilian and it's really funny because there is there is a little language barrier between us because there's the language although is the same is is very different spoken in there's like portuguese from brazil and portuguese from portugal and it's it's even more so different than like america and britain there's like distinct like this distinct words that just don't exist in either language <laughs> and and with brazil being so big as well a lot of the people um there's a lot of different accents and dialects within the country mm. um so depending on who i'm working with it's even a bigger barrier within the language even though technically we're speaking the same one mm. yeah i had this conversation with uh yes uh, who's a yes. friend from from brazil and she lives in brighton and uh yeah you got in touch with with her to talk about like cic stuff the CIC, and then yeah, she yeah. told me like oh yeah she's got a really accent from portugal <laughs> <laughs> i don't think you've got an accent anymore do you really bro what um, oh no romina you've got a french accent yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um, it's this is another really really interesting thing um and I, I, again, I cannot explain it, but technically speaking, if I'm speaking to British people um, or, you know, people that speak English to a really high level, mm. like I speak like I'm from Bolton or Manchester at the least, like from this area, you'd think so. But if I'm speaking to someone who doesn't speak English well, my accent changes and I don't mm. change it intentionally. It just, it just happens. I get a lot of people at work so like that are foreign. I get this little guy that I love. He comes in every day from India and he, he really doesn't speak English well. And I know that when I speak to him, like from the outside, people might think I'm like, I don't know. I've, of, I've often worried that people would think that I may be, you know, mocking or whatever, but it, it's, it just happens. And I, I think it may be because of the trauma that I have that like, when I first got here and I couldn't speak English well, like I, the kids at school really, you know, took the mick out of me and bullied me for it and stuff like that. And I don't know if it's because of that. And it's like, I'm, I don't know. I don't know. I can't explain no, it. No, I bet it's that's really... true. It's a form of code switching, isn't it? You're trying to say, I'm like you subconsciously. You know, we yeah. don't, please don't be worried about me judging you because I'm like you. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Your voice is just your tool to reflect that. And code switching 
yeah it's a natural un- yeah unconscious thing i think yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah yeah i think that's bang on like today i had another moment um where i have a new member of staff she's brazilian she's been here not very long but she she was studying in portugal um she's got portuguese nationality anyway it doesn't matter so she came in today and she said oh i went to the post office yesterday and i left crying because i couldn't understand the lady i asked her to speak a little bit slower i couldn't understand her and the lady started taking the the mick out of her she was like oh you should be learning english and, the, and she was like well, i'm studying at college i'm doing an ESL course trying to say it obviously and and that the lady was just really rude to her and she like left crying and I was like oh but I I remember so many instances like that when I first moved here it's 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 sad but it's it happens unfortunately that's so mean because it's not like most English people speak another language as well (laughs) or make any effort to case in fucking point here like you know we are the laziest people on the planet the English uh, like there's a no, whole you've got the Americans. Bits of, well, yeah, <laughs> who made them happen? We fucking did. There's whole parts of Spain that have been completely taken over by English people, and they just mm. put up Irish pubs and fish and chip shops. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. English people aren't interested. Those types of English people aren't interested in engaging with other people's culture at all. So it's bizarre that they make this assumption that anyone else should engage with their culture to whatever extent that exists. Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, I mean, it's it's yeah. I've I've in the same sense, I've also felt very welcomed here and very supported. Mm. But I but I think that's later on as I've integrated. But it's um yeah, it's 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 sad. A lot of people. I've always been I've always been annoyed by the like oh they come to take our job stance because like we migrants come here and we work and we pay taxes and we contribute and we do all just want to live in harmony you know even those of us like special those of us that just come that aren't fleeing war or you know are horrible situations that just want to coexist it should be an amazing thing shouldn't it like you want to come and live with us are we that good do you know what i mean like you want to live here you live anywhere you want to live here people should be are proud and happy that they live in a country that's welcoming like that but apparently not sometimes have you ever had <laughs> anything bad <laughs> happen to you because of an accent or, or prejudiced ways of speaking against you i don't think so too much because i'm white uh, yeah. <laughs> and people like france so yeah, <laughs> yeah these two things make it that Usually people are quite nice uh, to me, but then you know I know I know people who voted for Brexit and that, and you know I have to tell them that impacts my ability to live here, uh, and who it's like the good immigrant and the bad immigrant, right? So mm. I'm making yeah. that I'm making that cognitive dissonance in people's minds where they like me and they're like, oh, you're a good immigrant, but the the same people who you think badly of then the same situation as me or or like worse you know so it, I think it and make people uncomfortable sometimes having these conversations and I'm quite happy about it <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 the amount of times when I was younger that I heard from friends parents like like they would openly be speaking badly of you know immigrants or whoever but then they would go, oh, not you, though. You're all right. You know, you, you, we like you. You're our friend kind of thing. And it's just like, 
exactly Honestly, and there's no difference yeah yeah there is no difference and back then I wasn't equipped to respond to that in in a way that I definitely would now um and it's sad but yeah I heard that so many times and you kind of think well like you said they, they are just like me if not in a worse situation that need more help so it's yes yeah, it's, it's sad absolutely but... yeah I think I feel like when you make that apparent like I don't know how much of an impact it has but it makes people think a little bit and that's that's one thing yeah um yeah no um yeah tell us a little bit about pink goo yeah um what you want to know about it just general how, overview um just how it come about how you you know put it out into the world your process yeah um so i was writing poetry regularly for like about a year uh, when I started thinking about publishing it I took part in the publishing challenge where it was writing uh, one poem a day for 21 days and then submitting it to the publishing company um, and that got me the idea of publishing my own book so I didn't get the publishing deal and then I thought it's not really good anyway because I just put it on Amazon so <laughs> uh, but that's when I wrote Pingu like during this challenge and uh, then the the name kind of just stuck like I thought Pingu was a was a cool name uh, to have and I just was looking for thank you <laughs> I was just looking for like a narrative um, to make it sense um, because I don't really like collections that don't have a cohesive theme because I just think people, if they don't know you, like why would they just read mm. poetry from from Lulu from 2015 to 2023? Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just wanted to give like uh, a cohesive, yeah, a theme and the narrative. So I, I have a lot of poetry by mental health. So I, I thought it was a... A, a good topic to talk about and I just give this narrative of from like mental breakdown to uh finding hope again and uh and yeah that's that's how it came about <laughs> amazing and how did you find the whole process of like ordering the poems and you, you you mentioned that you like everything to have like a cohesive um you know combination all the way through so how did you find that because it's it's an interesting I found that to be an interesting part of the uh putting together the manuscripts did you yeah I picked some poems that I liked and then I gave them different themes and uh, I saw which ones could go together I made them first into four parts and then I looked at the manuscript again and then I thought it doesn't work like this so I just reduced it so it's like a long narrative and that when you read it together it does make sense but also I didn't want to tell the whole story just like let people figure it out and maybe yeah. they get a different meaning out of it than I do and uh yeah I just really enjoyed that part of assembling all the poems and bringing them to life outside of uh you know my my phone's notes <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah that was that was really cool the the actual I guess editing part right yeah um, it's it's a part of editing for sure like I was going to ask about that that next like because obviously with the redraft podcast and you were at redrafting editing so uh, I, I'm a massive editor like I, I always say I go back and back and back and edit edit re-edit so I must have drafts and drafts multiple drafts of the same poem and stuff like that um how how did you did you have did you have people like 
reading it for you as well? Did you edit it all yourself? How did that part? Yeah, I had a couple of people like proofreading and uh, giving me just advice, but not like quite lightly, you know, we didn't yeah. cover the manuscript. I didn't have it like a mentor or anything or a proper editor. Okay. It was more friends who just gave me their feedback, like stuff like this. Cause it was my first poetry pamphlet and it's self-published. So I just wanted something out in the world. I didn't want it to be the yeah, most yeah. perfect, the most literary work. I think, you know, my next work, I, I'm gonna push it a little bit more but I just wanted something raw and uh, not think about it too much. <laughs> yeah, no, that's understandable. Um, it's, it's a good way of looking at it. Uh, how long was it when you say pamphlet was, how long was the collection? How long is it, sorry? Um, this 36 pages. Mm. Right, cool. Yeah, I don't know how many poems, like 15 or something. Yeah, yeah. amazing. Did you do the artwork yourself as well or did you get someone to do this for you? Did I, uh, the artwork? No, I got illustrated to do that because I'm really rubbish at drawing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're, they're called Sophia. I love their work. Uh, they're based in Brighton. And we did a kind of skill swap where I did some photography for their exhibition. And then they made the design uh, for my book. And I had the design for months before I put it together. And I was just excited to put it together because I loved the I loved the cover. And I said, yeah. it, has, it has to come in, in, you know, into the world now that, I have to give it justice. Uh, yeah, so motivated me. <laughs> that's a really, that's a really cool way of doing it. Like a skill swap. I love that. That's yeah. you know, I when you said obviously self-published it, I'm really interested in in how in all the different parts that you know all the different thing, things and that you have to take care of and think about and getting everything together. So I love I love that idea of a skill swap. That's great. Yeah, it was very grassroots. Like I just was impatient. I didn't want to wait, submit, pay to submit being picked up by a publisher and just be like thank you lord <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I wanted to have like a glorified version of a zine basically because mm. I made some mini zines before I made yeah. a, a tiny a tiny one on a, like a A4 sheet and then I made one that I stapled and I was like this is the step above that uh, which is just like a printed printed little work like that yeah so. <laughs> yeah it sounds like it reflects quite a cohesive community in Brighton as well is that right yeah I feel like the Brighton community uh in in the arts is very grassroots very local and there's a couple of poets that have like a a national name you know of being published in that but most of the poets in Brighton aren't they just put their work uh like spoken words they don't publish they just have their name and the the people they know but yeah it's very local how do you find the difference between going spoken word events and then page poetry that's a very interesting question because i'm always i love asking this question to people uh on mm. my podcast poetry Two is and um i just love hearing the different answers and to me, I always feel a bit uncomfortable with spoken words because I don't consider myself like a, a spoken word artist. I just kind of read my poetry and I've always kind of, I'm embarrassed. I, I used to be embarrassed when I uh, was sharing an open mics because people would have really funny poetry, really angry poetry, and I just had sad poetry. 
<laughs> and uh, yeah, I feel like a lot of people who write sad poetry just apologize before they perform it, and it's it's like a a trope. Um, because we're like, sorry for bringing you down. I hope someone's gonna pick you up after. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it won't be me. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, and also because performing my second language, it's mm. the hardest. It, it was the hardest because I'm not a natural performer even in French. So you know, I kind of uh, was like clinging to the words. But I feel like I'm more comfortable now doing that I'm taking more freedom uh reading my poems now that they're published and I know them better and they're there and I can have my own spoken word version of it um but yeah I enjoy I enjoy writing for the page just how it's going to be read I feel like it's a lot more intimate and you can you can just be creative with the way you put things forward like you you can just leave these blank spaces for people to have that interaction um whereas in spoken word it has to be understandable otherwise yeah people are just a bit lost and they're like what the fuck is talking about <laughs> 100%, yeah i agree with you spoken word has to be more direct yeah exactly and uh yeah I've, it's funny because I in Pingu like I thought it was all page poetry, but now that I read it, I definitely got inspired by spoken word artists, po uh, performance poets in Brighton, that inspired my my writing, and now it has changed a lot uh, in my current writing. So that's interesting. Do you find yourself now writing more to be performed? No, the opposite. More for the page. Yeah, also because I don't go to spoken word events that much, so I don't. I'm not like I'm gonna write and then I know I'm gonna have an audience straight away. Yeah. Um so yeah, I just enjoy going back to this writing in my bedroom just for myself and go deep into my memories. Yeah. But knowing that I'm more confident in my writing and the way I convey these ideas. I want to talk a little bit about translation, obviously. Um we mentioned it briefly before and the translating your own work. Um, have you ever translated another person's word into either language? Have you, have you ever dabbled in that? Translating other people's work? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I want to. I don't think I've done. I've. I don't think I've done it really. Um, but I want to take someone else's writing, like manuscript, and just translate it to French. And I feel like that would be really interesting and beautiful, because it's someone else's word, so you can distance yourself from the original writing yeah. and see what they really mean and find the appropriate word for that um I think that that is something I really like would like to do um but I need kind of the occasion to do it yeah I don't know I just don't see myself uh taking someone else's poem and just and just translating yeah, 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 yeah. it spontaneously maybe yeah. I should do that I don't know <laughs> just tell them responsibility isn't it <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. And then tell them, Definitely. here's your poem in French. You don't understand it, but there you go. That's <laughs> my translation. No, no. I I ask because I I've I've tried myself to do it with um. I don't know if you heard of him, but Fernando Pessoa who was a Portuguese poet in the 18th mm -hmm. century, I believe. Um, and I have this book, or or maybe my mom has it currently, but there's this book we have, and um, 
it's two or three of his collected poems into one book and it's translated. So you've got the, the Portuguese version and the English next to it. And I've took some of the Portuguese versions and tried to do it for myself, just for fun, just to see, because I would love myself like you, would love to translate, to be able to translate a whole work and, and make it into something, um, mm. you know. Yeah, I think that I would love, be to... I really love bilingual uh, books with one poem in English and the other poem in French. Uh, I did that to learn German as well. And I have a book of Margaret Atwood that I bought in Paris and um, it's uh, English and French. And that's really cool because you, it's like a whole dimension uh, yeah. to to just navigate. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was an interesting process because because the, 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 the poems are there in both languages. I had to photocopy only the Portuguese ones and then have them where I'm trying to translate them into English without the English translation mm. in, front, in front of me as to not influence you know my translation so and I then compare we, did you compare after yeah yeah it was yeah it wasn't I, I don't feel I did it justice because I, I think <laughs> he was such an incredible writer uh, I felt mm. like he didn't read as a poem to me but I, I only tried the once and then I felt really bad about it and I put it away. But I, I, I want to carry on. I'm, I'm about to start a project now once the house is sorted uh, where I've got my grandma's old recipe books in Portuguese and I'm going to translate wow. them into English. If I can, I'm going, to attempt, I'm going to attempt that. Um, yeah. but, I, but obviously it's very much different than poetry, isn't it? Well, this can be poems, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, 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 I'm gonna pull you up. I don't think it is massively different in terms of cooking. I think cooking's a really soulful activity, and the thing that I hate the most is a an online recipe that's just like bam, 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 bam. Old school recipe books where it's like add a pinch of this, add a dash of that, put some <laughs> of this. That would be prime for translation, you know. Because yeah. that's that's the family you're 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 playing the role like we talk about versioning your your version of your grandma's recipe and if yeah. you're the way you do it is slightly different than the yeah. way that she did it that's I think that's really interesting yeah and yeah. you carry that tradition as well so you make sure that these recipes aren't lost it's really beautiful and I like when they you know it's like this texture needs to be like this and I felt I think that's quite poetic yeah, yeah absolutely. Speaking of versionings, like Will has a poem in his collection um, where he, he translated, he saw a postcard. Oh, was it? Yeah, he's got, you, yeah, yeah, you call it right. translation, right? So he translated a postcard he found in Italy. Am I right? Yeah. That's spot on. Um, yeah. Spot on. Um, but then talking to uh, Ben Wilkinson on a different episode about the difference between translation and versioning, we came to that it actually versions he, this this postcard and he made it into a beautiful poem and it's, um yeah like the 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 line between translation and versioning as well can be quite uh can you define versioning so versioning is when you take a poem um in another language and you don't try to translate it as so much you you, you look up the words but you you give it your own you give it your own you give it your own interpretation so you'll so you change the line breaks you'll change yeah. perhaps you know how the emotion the, the, the scansion yeah yeah you can change the name you can change yeah you, you you give the words your own meaning rather than trying to translate something as literal as literal as you could 
Let's just do that. That's yeah, yeah, really it's cool. fun. It's fun. Uh, I try, I did it for a couple of assignments at university, and it, and I enjoyed it. So speaking to another podcaster, which is exciting, we don't get to do that very often. I wanted to ask you a couple bits on uh, poetry to your ears. Um, I want to start off by asking, like, what is the most meaningful thing that you've got from doing the podcast for yourself so far? So many things. Um, I feel like just talking to people about their life stories and um, the way they share that through poetry and their vulnerability um, that they, well, like they, you know, people open themselves when mm -hmm. they write poetry and they share it and they go to podcast and they, they share these incredibly personal life stories, sometimes traumatic, uh, very political. And just that, that trust um, is amazing to me. Like these conversations that we can have that I feel is really rare to happen otherwise in other mm. spaces. I just love that we've got this platform to have this. I usually, my favorite thing always was to get people drunk and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then I have these really meaningful conversations right in parties and that like one-on-one. -on -one. Um, so I feel like we created that. Uh, for the podcast i totally and agree I, I, it's it's about the lack of um self-consciousness i think which is the same thing that you're talking about which normally happens over pints at 2 a.m but when you're <laughs> sat down and recording it you're not thinking this is a weird conversation to offer my mate but Romina, i feel like i've got to know you so much better through doing this because we wouldn't mm -hmm. be talking about our thoughts on you know the dutch language and its preservation <laughs> in a regular conversation because we don't yeah. find the space to talk about these kinds of things unless we think that we're recording it so we we should talk in a more meaningful mm. way exactly and when when i have this moment during your recording when i'm like wow i feel like i learned something mm. meaningful about life just existing on this earth i just think it's all worth it that's that's what it's all about like all the organizing a uh, room and like technical problems and all these things <laughs> I'm like it doesn't matter because I've got this moment um so yeah <laughs> totally yeah it's it's a legitimate form of art in and of itself in my opinion it exists in a sort of weird in-between space between journalism and poetry and fiction and all of this I, I think it's a beautiful medium and uh, mm. I'm, I'm glad that you I never thought of it as an art it's very interesting I just thought of it as a talking about art or being a journalist like an intimate journalist I guess um but yeah it's an art form in itself yeah that's interesting yeah it's such such an intimate space as well like I found myself having like deep conversations with you know, back to Antish Merrick episode where we had mm. that little lovely chat about our dads, and it's happening in little these little pockets throughout the uh, throughout the episodes, and it's just such a lovely. Mm. So it's it's so it's so lovely that people feel uh, that they can join us in this space and and chat to us in this way. Yeah, and from the audience perspective, we had a couple of people telling us that they didn't know anyone um, who was a poet and they didn't have anyone to share their poetry to and they feel like they were part of this space they were part of the conversation through listening to the podcast and to me it's amazing because 
when I was a teenager, I didn't have anyone. I just had me, my sort of poems. And uh, when I shared them to my friends, they were quite judgmental. So <laughs> I didn't have a, a, a good scene, you know. So I feel yeah. like we're creating this scene that is international and online and people can just have it in their bedroom where, wherever they are. Um, so I love, I love to hear people talk about their experience of listening to a podcast. That's amazing to me. And so much of poetry still is rooted in grassroots poetry is, is rooted in like back rooms of pubs as well. You know, it's an it's an eighteen plus space. It's an adult space, isn't it? So to have that mm. to be accessible to everybody is a very different. Um, yeah, absolutely, and it, it takes quite a courage to just go into an event and not mm -hmm. know anyone. Um, you know, and so many places just don't have that scene so if you live in a rural place or these tend to be more like just in the cities or in you know in Crowley there's a poetry night we went to and it's all like 70 plus people uh <laughs> and it was really funny because they they had their show and they said unfortunately this person passed away so I'm gonna read their poem and <laughs> oh, wow yeah <laughs> <laughs> we just realized that that scene doesn't exist in Crowley for young people you know um so yeah like this the podcast creates that scene for for people that are isolated and that's that's something I'm really passionate about yeah it's amazing it's 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 a reason it's similar reason why we started Natter because it, it, there wasn't anything in the town for and that's and Natter, you know you say poetry is an uh, 18 plus and it is mm. largely but Natter isn't you know I've had yeah. college students coming through we've had the you know people at uni we've had people bring their toddlers along because they didn't get a babysitter for the night and I mm. wanted it you know it's so lovely to be able to create a space like that and provide uh, provide a platform like that for people that would be excluded because of different rules and and and, and just things that sometimes can't be helped you know even this even the fact that we're an accessible venue like you can get in yeah. and out and with a wheelchair we've got accessible toilet um and a lot of the time that isn't because those spaces aren't there and it's not because like the event organizers don't want to or sometimes you just literally are stuck like you guys in switchblade are in the basement of a pub you know and you, you're so lucky that you have that space such an amazing space but obviously things like that are just out yeah. of your hands isn't it so it's 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 amazing that we get obviously the podcast is completely different but yeah it, it's i mean i share that uh, i share that passion that you share to create spaces like this Absolutely, yeah. It's it's also very important to to have in person. I think it's it's important to have both. You know, yes. one doesn't replace the other, and uh, yeah, I just feel more comfortable having that online space. Um, yeah, yeah. Tell us about um, your experience taking poetry to your ears to festivals and and live events and things like this because it, it seems from the outside really exciting and something we'd love to be uh, following in your footsteps with definitely yeah yeah cool I'm, I'm glad uh I'm glad it's like getting you excited to be involved in in these things as well um yeah we we just uh went to it <laughs> 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 I had a mic I and we went to it yeah yeah amazing 
Yeah, <laughs> we booked our tickets and we took the equipment and we just booked a hotel room and we showed up and we had the camera and then we negotiated the space. Uh, we, I think we tried to send an email, but that didn't go uh, like far. And uh, well, yeah, we just asked people, can we get an interview with you? And uh, I was I was really anxious to talk to strangers because I'm socially awkward. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, it's like people are really generous with their time. And um, yeah, it was really cool to see just the different scenes, like going to Birmingham and see the Brummie scene, you know. Then we went to uh, Bristol and that's a different scene. And it's like there was a lot of poets who talked about uh, the poetry in Bristol and just what it's like to be in Bristol, et cetera. And, et cetera. and that's really cool just to to go out of your pocket. Like we just got used so used to Brighton uh, yeah. and how things work in Brighton. We wanted to just get our podcast in other places. I think that was the main thing. Um, and yeah, we just met so many interesting people, like different accents as well um so yeah like i don't know <laughs> no it's, it's 100% i think true. the trips like this are really cool yeah it's a little bit costly but if you know people then you can stay over at people's and that so yeah it's, it's the similar thing that we've experienced in terms of scening and breaking out of that manchester bubble and it's uh yeah that's exactly what i was gonna say yeah, it's it, like it, yeah yeah we're yeah. so visioned in 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 one place and all we and we think like Sometimes it's, it, you have to remind yourself, like, the Manchester poetry scene is, like, this big compared to yeah. what's going on exactly. in, the in poetry, you know? Exactly. And we went to Verve Poetry Festival and they had all the big national names and we didn't know anyone. And we were just this podcast, like, asking these big poets uh, to have us on the show and we didn't know them. And we were just like, sorry, <laughs> you're just a poet, you know? So. But that's so true weird. at the same time. Every, we're all just poets. Yeah, isn't it? Like, so like, no, there's, no, there's no rock stars out here. Like, so I feel like we broke that uh, that barrier a little bit of like, oh my God, they're amazing. And we mm. had, there was an event where they're like, oh, I don't even need to present this person. I was like, sorry, I don't know who you are. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Give me the bio. <laughs> so, yeah, I like that. Just like, being humbled about my knowledge of poetry and humbling people about how important they think they are um, <laughs> <laughs> and um and yeah like um what else um just I, I was really impressed by Bristol like the poetry scene in Bristol because they have these city poets they have a young like young city poets um and we don't have that in Brighton like there's one poet who's got after the poet and she's kind of like the informal city poet but she doesn't She's not recognized by the council and that. And mm. these these roles are like city poet. That's like you're paid by the council to perform poetry and write poetry in these specific events. And to me, that's a really cool way of uh, make poetry exist in the city outside of mm. like these little poetry bubbles for poets and that. Um, so I'm really inspired by that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so like a poet laureate of, of Bristol exactly yeah it's that and they had for the first time like young ones so i was 16 and they were wow. in school and they were performing 16. and yeah that's and amazing. that's that's just a amazing initiative to get young people into poetry because we on the podcast we're always talking about that like how did you get into poetry uh if not in school like when how and i feel mm -hmm. like having people to aspire to who are young city poets that makes people want to 
do poetry because it's cool, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Make poetry cool, 100%. Like the 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 image of of what poetry is in general is so important for all of us to be able to thrive for the events that we run to get people to come to new people for the podcast that we run to get new listeners. The national picture of what poetry is is really important. And it's something we should all be concerned with. And the way we can change that is like on a on a small scale, having creative spaces and creative cities like Bristol, like Brighton. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm a little bit pissed off when people just complain about how small the poetry is, but they don't make any effort to make exactly. it more wide reaching. Like they always complain about the more popular poets saying it's not real poetry and that. And to me, it's like it's like music. You need popular music to make to so that people can like explore different genres in that. And you can't just be elitist about um about your genre and then complain that people don't get into it like mm-hmm. this doesn't make a lot of sense to me no absolutely like there's, there's there has to be a drake for there to be a dave like they they have to coexist <laughs> dave can't support drake at his shows and no one's going to find out about him it has to make itself into an ecosystem you know yeah, yeah. we've talked and about that... this sorry you go yeah they get us better paid as well you know? yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly yeah. in my dreams we're all gonna start taking turns supporting rappers on the on their arena shows and we'll just have a little poet as the opening act <laughs> yeah you know you know leon the pig farmers opened up for bands yeah. with his spoken word like it's a thing you could you can we can make that happen i'd say yeah claim did that as well actually um claim woods yeah. i supported yeah. someone at night and day a few weeks ago yeah it yeah. definitely is a thing and yeah. it, it's on the up it's just continuing to put your your face out there and make those connections and yeah you know, you know sorry no you no, go go <laughs> i was just gonna say really quick that there's a uh, recently one of my favorite irish musicians that i found when i lived over there for a short stint um they're like a band they're called the boom they release a song but the 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 words is they're a po- it's a poem it's it's just got mm. like beats to it i don't know it's not but it's it's different than what Merrick does it's like a poem and then with a couple of uh, is it like yeah, a, yeah. A, 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 what what's the music what kind of it's genre is the music electronic like dance oh, right, music okay. like yeah, it's yeah, amazing yeah. it's called australia by laboom go check it out the poem is incredible it's about it's an irish lad talking about how his, all, all his friends moved to australia and that's such a big thing over there like young kids when they can't find a job they just go off to australia because they can have the, they can get a visa easily um and it's a big thing over there and this poem this the song is brilliant Check that sounds out. fantastic yeah well that's that's our recommendation yeah, share it. We... yeah 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 <laughs> put it on your <laughs> socials yeah <laughs> yeah 100% right we're running out of time so I don't obviously want to uh go without talking about with asking you the big question um on the redraft podcast uh it's been really interesting to listen to people's uh answers up to this point I'm excited for yours um so I'll I'll, I'll hand over to Will and let him ask you the big question what a privilege thank you um so we always ask every guest what is the one thing that they would go back in time and metaphorically scribble out or redraft or have another go at if they had the opportunity to so it might be a career choice it might be a a life choice a decision that you made at some point along the way if you could go back and just say don't do it like that you know have another go at that do it do it like this instead what might that be I know it's your trademark, but I haven't thought about it. 
Let me just give me a minute to think. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, no problem, no problem. <laughs> it's a huge um, question. It is. It's, it's big. Yeah. Um, I think for a very long time, I was scared of being an artist and mm-hmm. considering myself an artist and defining myself not because it was always other people who were and said I'm an artist and they were always better than me or they did different arts like usually painters or illustrators and that and I was like I'm not I'm, I'm not that so when I grew up I was a musician I played a lot of music like flute and saxophone but it wasn't creative it was you know like reading uh sheets yeah. and so I was on the path of like becoming a professional flutist if I wanted to. Um, so playing orchestras and that. And I didn't want to do that um, because, well, this artist thing. And I thought that it was just a technical job. Like if, if you're an instrumentalist, you don't really, you're not really creative. You just are really good at your instrument and you play other people's songs. And I also wanted to do stuff that are like more political. I wanted to learn about society and that. And I felt like when you do music, you're just in this music bubble. And um, but I feel like I just ended up doing creative stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I feel like I kind of had this assumption that I couldn't be creative with my music and I couldn't. And make it relevant to the world and now I'm trying really hard to pick that up but because I'm quite far away from it I find it difficult uh mm. to create these opportunities for myself you know and and uh, and even get this musical ear again like when I was really into it when I was uh like 17 or so it was a musical peak um so yeah just for like fuck you (laughs) you're an artist you can just play play your instrument and just be really creative with it and uh, yeah you don't you don't have to follow the establishment you can just uh give the meaning that you want to and now that I see Lizzo I'm like oh I wish there was a Lizzo when I I needed it (laughs) so yeah I feel like uh coming you know in the future I'm gonna blend that music and poetry and film more I'm just in the process uh, I need to do a lot of kind of inner work to get that going yeah <laughs> amazing that's a beautiful answer yeah and that's really exciting about uh, merging all your art forms together I can relate because until very recently I just saw myself only as a writer and that took a long time to accept but but now I'm I know like I I am an artist I do other things as well I just it's about not being so scared to like actually create them and put them out there so mm. I can 100% relate to that and in, in fact it's Absolutely. inspiring to me that it's inspiring to me that I will get to <laughs> where you are one day I can just I just have to do the work <laughs> <laughs> oh that's very kind of you <laughs> yeah I, I feel like it's very hard not being in one of the boxes because you only see mm-hmm. people who are just one thing and then being that unique thing, like yourself, and just being like, I'm a, I'm a multidisciplinary artist. You can't really define me. That's really confusing. Yeah, yeah. and it, it uh, feels either like you're very pretentious. I've said multidisciplinary artist on like a couple of bios, and I feel like a wanker. Or you feel like, am I, am I moving away from? Should I have one thing that I get really good at? 
you know exactly I mean? yeah like with poetry I feel guilty sometimes you know I didn't study poetry I don't want to do this whole career poetry thing I am really happy just doing it like in, in what's most true to myself and talking to other poets like whatever they are uh, but yeah you feel like if you just focus on one you'd be more successful you'd yeah. be better at your craft uh, but I always feel frustrated when I just choose one and the more creatively free I feel the more I expand so like I do film photography like poetry uh, prose writing music everything cooking you know <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah at the moment I do a lot of gardening and to me gardening is so creative like, it gets me to that same zone of when I write poetry you know so yeah I love yeah. gardening too yeah at the end of the day it's just to create to go through life isn't it like why are we <laughs> yeah absolutely and you know we do that like me and Will you know outside of our full-time jobs we do so much we have our own poetry and I we do the podcast we have the CIC we're always looking for ways to... I know you do so much it's it's quite like I feel burnt out for you <laughs> <laughs> we speak about this often like is is it overwhelming and it can get like that sometimes with outside things that are going on that are beyond our control that we can't help but are happening around us hmm. or to those around it's us it's never the stuff. art itself it's never the art itself like I love coming on here and having these chats and getting to know people like mm. yourself and I love um, you know doing this CIC and putting workshops together and thinking about the community and how we can improve it and make it more united and all these other things I love all that part but it it seems like when you say oh you list it all off it's <laughs> we're doing a lot uh, but I think that's what being a creative an artist means is you're always creating you're always looking for ways to do new things and to express yourself I suppose yeah I think you can do it in in ways that uh feed you you know mm-hmm. yeah They're like give you that energy that you need when I was in school I was like a full-time student and I played 10 hours a week of music and when I think back I'm like how did I do that but I just it was the only way I was surviving school was from yeah. playing so much music so you know it's sometimes hours is not the only metric absolutely okay I'm so sorry I'd love to keep on going but we've got less than one minute to go (laughs) yeah (laughs) so Lou thank you so much you've been really generous with your time we'd love chatting to you and having you on um oh it was so lovely being on your show thank you so much thank you so much we we will let you know when it's out and we'll see you soon amazing yeah absolutely thank you so much Bye. bye bye And there we have it. What a episode. It didn't go in the direction I expected, but nonetheless, a fantastic and illuminating conversation. Yes, it's funny how we sit down with with people and we have a, a, we have something in mind that we want to the conversation to look like. But this is what happens when you talk with the creatives, you know, creativity gets flowing and people <laughs> have ideas and all sorts of things. But it's been a really great chat. I love talking to Lou about... Um, I love the contrast between mine and Lou's experience, which I assumed wrongly that mm. it was similar in certain ways, but there's a huge contrast. She uh, came, she's migrated a lot later in life. I was a lot earlier. You know, she writes most of the time first in French, or she did write at the beginning first in French, then in English. For me, it's always the, the opposite way. So it was a lovely contrast and, and lovely to see how it affected us both differently. Yeah, really, really interesting. For me, as the third party as well to have heard your experience 
align myself with it and then to have another completely different experience really interesting it was a fascinating chat um so we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did yeah it was great we absolutely and again thanks again thanks so much for lou for to being generous with the time and joining us coming on the pods yeah um, we really enjoyed it so we'll yeah, be back in your chat. ears next monday please don't forget to like listen review subscribe whatever all the things you can do it really helps promote us and get us out of our algorithms into everyone's ears uh, inspired by poetry series we'd love to do that as well um we have got to remind you about the events that we spoke about in the start of the episode so our live pod on august the 3rd the confidence workshop on july the 29th but prior to that we have um the july edition of switchblade headlined by two magnificent artists lou mack and jay daniel west coming together to reveal their new show um, which is the 16th of july at uh, seven o'clock in manchester at the pier hat which i'm really really excited for i'm really excited to see them two headline yes me too i haven't been able to make it down to switchblade for the last two maybe three months because <laughs> of life but i am not missing these two these two are not to be missed i reckon you're gonna have a pop room there that night um, and yes go get your free or donation tickets for that via the switchblade channels and, uh, and obviously we'll have another version of natter again shortly after that as well yeah, Nata will probably be a couple of weeks after that. We usually set it up in this first week of the month, so I'm sure we'll by next week we'll have all the details for you. So keep tuned, and uh, thank you, as always, for your time. We really, really appreciate it. Yes, big, big love, guys. We'll see you next week. Have a great week. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of the Redraft Podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this chat, you can help support us over on Patreon. We have three tiers of Patreon support available from three to eight pounds per month. Tier one is the Big Biro tier. In that, you receive a shout out in the episode after you join, access to all of our planning documents, and you can join an exclusive Instagram group chat with other writers to share notes, tips, feedback, and more. In tier two, the Fountain Pen tier, you get all of that plus pre-sale to any upcoming live events that we've got going on and you get to interact with our guests directly by emailing in questions in advance and in tier three you get the typewriter tier includes all the previous benefits plus a free art print from print a poet commission your own poem from us once a year and you also get feedback on a single piece of writing and that's once a month and of course you can also support us for free by following subscribing and dropping us a five star review on the podcasting platform of your choice and we are really grateful for any level of support that you can offer we know it's a tough old world out there for everyone at the minute so thank you very much and if you can't support us in that way you can always just share us with your friends tell the world about us put us on your stories and give us five stars we'll be back every monday with a brand new episode of the redraft podcast for your listening pleasure